0: Ben Goto got his engineering start in iOS development, developing apps for the iPhone, iPad, and desktop Macs. Currently, Ben develops the open-source desktop email app, MailSpring. In this episode, we discuss the future of email, and a bit about why you might build desktop software in 2018, and how to do it. Enjoy. Enjoy. Today, we are joined by Ben Goto, maintainer of the MailSpring email client and principal engineer at Foundry376. Ben, welcome.
1: Thanks, it's great to be here.
0: Absolutely. Ben, uh, I mentioned MailSpring, I mentioned Foundry376. Do you mind introducing our audience to what both of those things are?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, So, MailSpring is a desktop email client for Mac, Windows, and Linux. Um, with a totally open source front end. Um, it's actually an adaptation of the Nihilus mail client from a couple of years ago that some of you <laughs> may have seen in the news. Um, and I work on that. I'm the lead maintainer of that client. And uh, I also do consulting work through Foundry376, which is a group of, uh, group of friends that I've known for a long time and uh, just pull together to work on on really cool stuff so so
0: one of one of the things that i find uh well one thing real quick that we should give a shout out to is our previous episode with uh the cto of Nylas, uh, christina spang christine spang uh people should check that out if they're interested in all things email uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about email though and we're also going to talk about desktop apps today so one of the things that I think our audience should know about Mailspring, uh, previously Nylas Mail, is that you're working on a desktop email client, so one that does not support mobile phones. So uh, what what goes into a, a desktop app that people might not be familiar with?
1: Yeah, man, well, uh, it varies. I guess, um, you know, we first looked at building a desktop Email app back when I was at Nylas, um, I guess in 2014, and you know at the time people were building desktop apps in a variety of ways. Um, I actually got my engineering career started as an iOS and native Mac developer, um, and so I was sort of coming at desktop software from a you know C Objective C background. Um, when we sort of set out to build mail client uh, one of the things we knew was going to be important was supporting uh, windows and so you know using objective c was not really an option Um, we looked at doing python cross-platform we looked at qt briefly um, and then kind of the nw.js and electron projects um, and actually decided to go that route so it was it was definitely an interesting transition, but I think uh, I think there are a lot of considerations that have to be made for building desktop software these days that you know you you don't have to think about quite as much on mobile. Um, so it's definitely an interesting space to be in.
0: So cross platform makes a lot of sense, especially catering to enterprise business type clients uh, where everyone's got their their work desktop or laptop. Yeah. Uh, what, does it, so Mailspring is cross platform is that correct?
1: Uh yeah, that's correct. It's uh all recent versions of Windows and macOS uh and also um pretty much all Linux distributions uh, that are 64-bit.
0: So for our audience that's not familiar with what Mailspring does that distinguishes it from maybe gmail.com or mail.yahoo.com. Mm-hmm. What are what are some of the what are some of the key features?
1: Yeah, um, so Mailspring is a desktop client that aims to bring uh, some of the great features from things like uh, Mailbird and uh, Mailbox to everyone using all email providers. Um, so that includes you know modern features like being able to snooze email and being able to schedule drafts to send later in the future, um, things like reminders if you know people fail to follow up with emails you've sent as well as uh, read receipts and link tracking, um, some features sort of targeted at the sales and business tool crowd. Um, in the you know, A lot of these, those features are available through uh, you know, products like Google Inbox, um, but are sort of restricted to folks that are using those specific platforms. Um, and so one of the advantages of getting those features through a desktop app is that we are able to do that on all email providers. Uh, so you can connect any IMAP account to MailSpring uh, and have snoozing and send later and read receipts. Mm-hmm.
0: So coming from your background writing iOS mobile apps and native Mac software, mm-hmm. how did you feel about building a desktop app made with Electron? and? For audience that doesn't know Electron, maybe we could give a—I'll give a really quick <laughs> summary of my understanding of Electron, as I have very briefly worked with it, which is that it's this cross-platform framework for writing um, desktop applications using JavaScript primarily. Uh, is that a fair summary?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Electron essentially takes the Chromium embedded framework, uh, which is sort of the guts of Chrome and marries that with uh, Node.js. So, you know, it's essentially like building a web app, but it, you know, you can open the the javascript console and type, you know, fs.readFileSync uh and access, you know, the full local file system and things like that. Um,
0: so coming from from iOS and native Mac development to Electron, what what were what were some of the learning <laughs> curves in that how did you feel about
1: it? Yeah, it um it was I had I had really mixed feelings uh when we first got started. Um you know, a lot of people give electron a lot of shade for you know various things um coming from the the native development perspective. I was a little wary of using JavaScript um you know, which doesn't exactly have the the greatest track record. Um of, you know, and and kind of like language reputation. Um, and I was <laughs> always also a little concerned that we weren't going to be able to do um, things that would really make the app feel natural. Um, you know, really rich integration with gestures and, you know, dragging and dropping stuff from the desktop. Um, and, you know, it, it actually, um, it really went beyond my expectations. Um, you know, there are certain things that you have to consider when you're building an Electron app. Uh, it has like sort of an interesting process model that makes some of the concepts a little bit different than you would see in a in a normal native app. Um, and you, you do have to take care to, you know, sort of use CSS and HTML to, to blend in with the native operating system um, and not, you know, show, show weird web cursors and stuff and, (laughs) and like change the, change the right click menu so that it doesn't say like copy link all the time. Um, and things like that. But I, I really think, you know, in, in 2014, when we were making the the initial decision to use electron, which at the time was, uh, was Atom shell actually, um, you know, there was QT and, you know, I I guess you can always write like a cross-platform Java app, um, but the, the ability to use HTML and CSS um, and you know, a JavaScript framework like React has had a couple of really huge benefits. Um, first off, you know it's, it's really easy to hire people that are great at those technologies. Um, and it's also really easy to create uh, advanced animations and, and smooth effects and drop shadows and stuff like that. Uh, and we sort of found that's where things like QT and Java sort of broke down. Um, so, you know, as much as I <laughs> sort of uh, had a hard time convincing myself to, to work on JavaScript um, instead of Objective-C, uh, once we sort of got the project rolling, uh, it, you know, it, it really delivered on allowing us to, to turn around a desktop app in, you know, less than a year, which was really cool.
0: Agreed. I I think we should give a shout out to some of the other uh, well known pieces of software that have been written for the desktop. Some with Electron, like perhaps the best known. I think is Slack. Is that right?
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh,
0: yep. One one other, maybe we should give a shout out to 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 give an example of people writing cross platform desktop software is uh, using Java Minecraft. Minecraft was written with java cross platform mm-hmm. and you know is it exited for many billion dollars to microsoft at, n- not so not so long ago um, we, you mentioned atom shell is was atom shell what made you at the time choose uh, electron over atom shell
1: um, so atom shell was essentially a uh, so it was funny actually we originally started looking at um, nw.js which stands for node webkit um, and that was sort of the initial effort um, in like 2013 to essentially marry uh, Node.js and Chromium, uh, or rather WebKit. Um, I think that the, the one of the authors of that project uh, was hired by GitHub and was working on uh, the Atom text editor's kind of native shell. Um, and he had sort of written up a couple of blog posts explaining why he thought that atom shell was a better foundation than node webkit um, and so you know at the time that we were looking at uh, atom shell um, it was still kind of embedded within the atom text editor project uh, and we actually like <laughs> to get to get started on the mail client we actually downloaded the atom text editor source code and just started like ripping out everything that made it a text editor until all we had left was, like, Atom shell and sort of a nice interface to it. Um,
0: nice.
1: But that, that project, um, you know, as uh, the Atom text editor matured and as the um, sort of interest in cross-platform desktop apps you know, through HTML and CSS grew, um, the folks at GitHub decided to break Atom shell off of Atom and give it its own sort of brand name. Uh, and that's where Electron came from.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So fast forwarding to today, uh, maintaining the MailSpring project, uh, post Nihilus, open sourcing it with an MIT license, which allows uh, people like yourself or anyone really to use the previous Nihilus Mail code base mm-hmm. in commercial projects. Um, what what changes have you made since uh, since Nihilus open sourced it?
1: Yeah, that's a great question actually um so the reason you know nihilus sort of moved away from the email client because uh the api side of their business was just like growing by leaps and bounds uh and you know even though nihilus mail was super cool and had like a really um you know diehard fan base um it essentially didn't make sense for the company to continue sort of splitting its effort between two projects um and so they made the decision to to open source Nylas Mail, and uh, there was a, a good bit of stuff actually that I did um, to kind of pick that up outside of Nihilus. um I basically ripped out all of the email sync code and rewrote it on top of uh, libmailcore two, which um, is a C plus plus native library for syncing with IMAP. Uh, it's actually the the library that was used by Sparrow. Um, a mail client that got acquired by Google, and then also for like the first couple versions of airmail and a few other clients. Um, And rewriting all of that stuff in native C++ uh, allowed me to sort of use, focus on, on using Electron for just the mail client UI, um, which is where, you know, the HTML and the CSS and JavaScript stuff really excel and enable like themes and you know plugins and all kinds of great stuff um while sort of keeping the the guts of the mail client um, all of the syncing with imap and things like that uh, really highly performant and uh, <laughs> and more battery battery friendly than the early versions of niles mail were um, so i i put in probably five or six months of of full-time work uh, to to create the mail spring fork um and the idea is that hopefully uh, before too long, I'll be able to work on maintaining that full-time.
0: You, you mentioned uh, one, one of the common complaints that people have about Electron, which is that it eats up a huge, enormous amount of resources, and that you you just described how uh, you used lower-level coding like C++ to uh and eliminate a lot of the resource usage that more bloated um, <laughs> Electron apps mm-hmm. might have. Uh, I, I am ignorant on this topic. I think a lot of our audience is, but how do you, how do you work in a code base that has both JavaScript that uh, is running inside Electron as well as C, and while also keeping it cross platform?
1: Yeah, that's, um, that's a good question. There's sort of two different ways you can do that. Um, you know, some projects that have you know algorithms and and complicated you know mathematics that they need to run or something like that will kind of bundle all of their native functionality up into a, a precompiled Node module. Um, and so Node, the you know just plain Node.js has a Uh, kind of architecture where you can write a C++ module um, given node bindings and then call into it from JavaScript. Um, And so that's one option uh, that works best for, you know, things that have very simple inputs and outputs and are, you know, memory or CPU intensive. Um, Things like unzipping a file, for example, would be a great fit for a native node module. the work that MailSpring does natively is a bit more in, involved, um, and so what I decided to do there actually was to write a separate uh, cross-platform C++ command line application, um, and essentially have the the MailSpring Electron application uh, launch that C++ app behind the scenes. <laughs> um, okay. So, so when you open the the Mailspring app, you know it's it's basically an Electron, JavaScript-based window that talks to a C plus plus command line uh, application that is actually syncing your mail and you know uh, writing things to a SQLite database and stuff like that. So
0: that's that's awesome. I, one thing we should definitely point out is that, like Nylas Mail, Mailspring also is open source. So. One of the things we'll do in the show notes is include links to uh to the code base for sure yeah that'd be great <laughs> so i I think the topic of email is something literally every single member of our audience uh works with you know and and is familiar with what what do you kind of envision being the future of email as a as a mode of communication like are 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 there features that uh you think um haven't been built yet that that will be in popular email clients or or what what's what's on the horizon for for email as a software engineer
1: yeah you know it's interesting like i feel like uh every 6 months or so there's some you know new startup i read about on hacker news that's that's out to kill email and uh <laughs> it's it's still not dead um and i think Email really excels at being an open standard for uh, cross-company communication. I guess to say, you know, products like Slack are really nice for communication within teams. Um, But, you know, communication between your organization and other organizations uh, sort of lives in email and it doesn't look like that's going to change anytime soon. Um, and I think that that focus is reflected in some of the features that we're seeing developed around email. Um, things like read receipts that, you know, are really common, uh, tool usually done through like a Gmail extension or, um, you know, a tool like MailSpring, um, and features like snoozing and send later and things like that. I expect that in the next year or two, we'll see those become sort of standard across the board. Um, I know there's uh, a new beta of Gmail uh, which you know folks have been looking forward to for a long time that allows you to do snoozing and send later uh, from right within their their web UI with no need for you know additional plugins or Chrome extensions or anything like that um, and so I think it is cool to see new features kind of being built into email. Um, you know, I am concerned that a lot of those new developments are sort of being built in a proprietary way. Um, you know, Gmail also recently launched a sort of self-destructing email feature, where um, you can send an email to a recipient which uh, is only valid for 24 hours, or you know, becomes unreadable essentially. Um, and rather than implement that with forward secrecy, or you know. Something like Keybase, uh, they chose to essentially send. You know, the the actual IMAP message is just a link to a Gmail service. That uh, when you resolve the link, uh, either you know displays the text or doesn't display the text. Um, and so it's it's kind of unfortunate to see some of those experiments being done in a very sort of walled garden approach. Um, but it is cool to see that you know folks are still experimenting with email and you know trying to come up with ways to advance that method of communication so
0: agreed agreed i mean that's something that's kind of weird to observe in in the time that i've been working in email space is how it's very much an oligopoly and back when the internet first started people obtained email addresses because it came with your internet service provider so your Comcast.nets and your AOL.coms, your ATT.nets. And uh, it's very much an oligopoly that's been inherited, not by ISPs, but by the biggest tech companies, Yahoo and Gmail. And if you look at market share, um, and I'm curious to hear the stats about MailSpring, about uh, what kind of distribution you see of people using MailSpring who use Gmail versus Yahoo versus anyone else. Is that something that you have visibility to with Mailspring, or is the is our customers' data uh, unreachable, or uh, uh, you're you're not able to get at that information?
1: Yeah, so um, I kind of made the decision early on uh, when I started the Mailspring project that I I really just didn't want to have <laughs> any information I didn't need, um, you know, with GDPR and stuff like that sort of on the horizon. Um, so I believe that about 50% of MailSpring's user base, uh, is using Gmail. Um,
0: that is huge market share, by the way. Yeah. That's insane.
1: (laughs) You know, I think actually that their market share on the broader internet, uh, I believe is actually greater than that. Um, but I actually don't have exact numbers because there, there isn't any sort of, um, reporting of that stuff built into MailSpring. So it, it's just based on uh, the the bug reports and stuff that I receive. <laughs> um, Fair enough.
0: Fair enough. Well, right. I, in absence of of not knowing that information, um, one of the, one of the questions that I think would be really good to wrap with is on the topic of what's next for Mailspring and uh, what features uh, are on the horizon for people who might be interested in trying out Mailspring for the first time or current users.
1: Yeah. Um, so there are a couple of cool things happening in the near future with MailSpring. Um, I'm working on sort of an overhauled search UI that will basically bring sort of advanced uh, search features that Gmail has, like um, being able to search you know, from a particular person between dates or um, search for keywords in the body of messages and stuff like that. Um, I'm bringing that to MailSpring uh, and making it available, you know, with all email providers, essentially. Um, and then later in the second half of this year, uh, I'm also rolling out a mail merge feature that um, has been a pretty frequent request from people who, you know, aren't, aren't necessarily running like campaign monitor stuff. Uh, it's definitely not meant for, you know, large scale marketing operations, um, but people that are, you know, throwing their birthday party and want to send a send the same email to 40 or 50 people or something like that um for sure and one of the things i'm actually really excited about is uh because the whole front end you know is built in electron and leverages css and and javascript um it's actually really easy to write plugins and themes for mailspring um and in the second half of this year i'm planning on launching sort of a plug-in gallery almost like a a chrome web store sort of idea where you can explore you know themes that people have made and install them and and stuff like that um and i think that's it's going to be sort of an exciting feature uh been sort of thinking about it for a long time and i think uh, it'll definitely help Mailspring capitalize on you know the the fact that it's built in javascript and and using electron so
0: well I mean one one question I think would be really interesting to ask is on the topic of mailspring being an open source project, whether you've gotten any open source contributions besides people maybe making their own you know skins or themes for the desktop app uh do you have any any folks who've contributed to the code base
1: yeah it's been um you know it's definitely uh I think there have been probably thirty or forty contributors who have gotten pull requests merged uh, since last fall when the project kicked off, um, and so it's really exciting to see people in the community, you know, getting excited about it and contributing stuff. Um, you know, it is sort of a challenge because every once in a while someone will come along and say, "Hey, I made this like super cool feature or option." You know, I, I do get a lot of pull requests for people that. Have added options to the app to enable or disable functionality or like change things, um, and that is one area where you know I try and be very intentional about the stuff that makes it into the product. Um, and I I have uh, said no to a couple of of interesting pull requests that I just didn't think were sort of broadly applicable or you know things that I wanted to have to maintain for a long time. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely exciting that it's an open source project, and you know, I always try and kind of encourage people to to hack on it and submit pull requests, and you know, make it uh, make it the mail client they want to use. So
0: for sure, for sure. Well, I want to encourage your audience to go uh, check out the show notes and where we'll include a link to the source code. I mean, people can also probably Google Mailspring and find your guys' marketing site and and also the get the github repo yep um, that'd be very cool so we will we will I absolutely encourage people to check it out to see some an example of some JavaScript slash C++ uh, <laughs> a desktop code base yeah um, <laughs> no I, I, I've, I remember when uh, when Nihilus mail was open sourced and uh, I also remember uh, MailSpring being announced and uh, I think people should check it out Uh, Ben, thank you for coming
1: on Yeah, absolutely,
0: it's great to be here Thanks for joining us for the Accidental Engineer Podcast If you enjoyed our interview with Ben and want to hear more about professional software engineering careers visit our website at theaccidentalengineer.com We have a large backlog of interviews and sign up on our email list to be notified when we publish new ones